Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is upon us once again, and just like every year, Kansas City is back in the Super Bowl, but additionally, every year on the Take It Easy podcast, we have to get you set for the most important bet you will make during Super Bowl Sunday. That is, of course, what color Gatorade is going to dunk the winning head coach after the Super Bowl. Now, traditionally, you would suspect that red would be the color to go for. I mean, Kansas City is red, San Francisco's red, they're different variations in colors, but guess what? Kansas City has won two of the last four Super Bowls, no red on the Gatorade color. In fact, red has not been the Gatorade color of choice in any of the previous 22 Super Bowls. Red never comes up on the Super Bowl odds list, so don't fall into the trap this year of thinking red is going to be the color. Instead, the favorite is the yellow-green color Gatorade, which, depending on where you gamble, you can get yellow and green at different colors, but the lemon-lime color of Gatorade is the favorite at plus 150. Orange and red tied at 275, blue at 400, and then at plus 450 we have purple. Now it's important to remember purple because purple was the winning color last year at the Super Bowl. When Kansas City beat Philadelphia, it was purple Gatorade that came through. And that was surprising because it was the first time in 11 years that purple Gatorade had been the Gatorade color of choice to dunk the winning head coach, not since the New York Giants won the Super Bowl in 2012. So it's an interesting conversation here. You could get the the lemon-lime color, perennially the favorite, most common type you're going to find, orange, a strong candidate, but if you're looking for a good value play this year, plus 400 on blue is a good choice, because blue has been the color of choice in three of the previous five Super Bowls. Blue was the Patriots' choice after they won the Super Bowl against the Rams, which again, Patriot blue, Ram blue, you could understand the color choice there. Blue was the color for the Buccaneers when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Blue was the color of choice when the Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago in Los Angeles. There's so many different options and so many different colors. Blue at plus 400 is the value play of the year. It is historically the most common color of choice, and even though last year we went with purple, blue is perennially at the top of the list. And last year, blue was the favorite. This year, blue's coming in at a long shot plus 400. I think blue is the play to go with for this year's big game color. Now, here's the fun catch. When you go to Bet Online Sportsbook with the link in the description of this episode and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your original deposit. And if you take that 50% welcome bonus and put it all onto blue to win the Super Bowl, you're not getting plus 400 odds, you're getting plus 600 what you originally would have made. So you could make six times your money by betting on blue to be the color of Gatorade that is chosen when Kansas City wins the big game on Sunday. Was this three and a half minutes of big game analysis? Yes, it was. Was it three and a half minutes of deciding what color is going to be the Gatorade bath at the end of the game? You're damn right. And it was three and a half minutes well spent, and you should take this information, go to Bet Online Sportsbook, and make your picks today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you. 
Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this wild and wacky podcasting thing that we do every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And in a previous iteration of this show, every single day, Monday through Friday, we like to do it because we can record whenever we so choose and you guys can listen however when you so choose. And and we just gosh darn appreciate that you are here on the show for Super Bowl week number five in the history of this Take It Easy podcast. Every year during Super Bowl week, we try and concoct some sort of new fun way to, to have a fun take on the Super Bowl here on the show. And well, over the years, it's just gotten a little bit stale, you know? <laughs> Our Super Bowl coverage has just gotten a little bit stale. We've tried to do big game previews, big, splashy game previews, and we've had guests from all sorts of different teams come in and chat with us. We One year when the Cincinnati Bengals made it, our friend Stripe Hype Cincy Blake Jude, who's done over a hundred of these podcasts with us, he came on and had multiple episodes that we shared together. And last year it was Kansas City and Philadelphia, and we tried to do a proper Super Bowl week preview, but what ended up happening was the NBA trade deadline was exactly the same week as the Super Bowl, and that kind of hijacked what we were doing. Another year, the Brian Flores lawsuit detailing the the racial discrimination and hiring practices among the NFL dropped the week of the Super Bowl. And so our Super Bowl coverage became multiple dozens of podcasts about Brian Flores and his lawsuit. Uh, I shouldn't say multiple dozens because that makes it sound like 24, but we did four episodes in a row. We had our friend Chris Cluey come on the podcast, former punter, and he talked about the Brian Flores lawsuit with us, which was the fourth time that we had done a Brian Flores lawsuit podcast here on this very show. We have done so many iterations of the Super Bowl week, so many different versions of the show, so many different podcasts around the game game itself around the NFL storylines. Last year was just about the NBA trade deadline because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant got traded on the Wednesday before Super Bowl week. And that informed us so much last year that we have built in a caveat preparing for when we have a Super Bowl when we have a Super Bowl week interrupted by NBA trade deadline. We have built in a caveat. Also, we have a day job that is going to require us to work a shit ton of games and broadcasts and shows because the Super Bowl is it with the San Francisco 49ers. And as you may or may not know, San, San Francisco and Sacramento are like the basically closest team now that the Raiders are in Las Vegas. So uh, it's going to be a hectic, crazy week, and we've built in some different ways to cover the Super Bowl. We'll have our NFL Monday podcast coming up after the Super Bowl, which, by the way, now that I'm stopping to think about it here, and this is just rambling to set up the actual show that we want to do, but 
This is our first Monday without an NFL Monday since last August. It's kind of wild to think about. This is our first Monday without an NFL or a college football Monday. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, but there's no like immediate games to react to or anything of those sorts. We're just here existing on a Monday with all of you. It's wonderful. It's wacky and fun. And so I'm just super gosh darn excited to be with you guys for Super Bowl week where we have built in that Thursday the episode should be an NBA trade deadline reaction show. And uh, if you want some of the other content we've done, we did a Super Bowl preview with our friend Razor Rosenthal last Thursday. We talked about Bill Belichick on Wired Up 158. We've got all sorts of fun podcasts. Just scroll through, see if there's something you like. Maybe you enjoy it and you're curious about one of the topics we have there. Just scroll through, enjoy it, see what you can find. All sorts of great Super Bowl week content here. The Super Bowl podcast that I wanted to do off the bat here on Monday revolves around Kansas City. And we've done the game preview and talking about Kansas City and their precision-based offense and the best defense of the Mahomes era. The fact that this was regarded as the worst team Mahomes has had in six years, and yet they find themselves in the Super Bowl over Baltimore and over Buffalo and Miami, who looked like they had a puncher's chance. But Kansas City did the thing that everyone said was going to be like damn near impossible going into the playoffs. That a team was going to have to go through Miami, Buffalo, and Baltimore to get to the Super Bowl, any of the, the four teams that were regarded as the six best in the NFL from the AFC, which again, Miami, just cataclysmic amount of injuries at the end of the season. Miami deserved to be that two seed in the AFC. They didn't get it because of a cataclysmic number of injuries at the end of the season. But for the entire 17-week sample size that we were evaluating, you had Baltimore, Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, the four teams that looked like they were going to be the four finalists in the AFC and all had a puncher's chance of making it to the Super Bowl. Kansas City didn't get like one team beating up another to knock them out of the playoffs. No, Kansas City beat all three of those teams to get to the Super Bowl with what is regarded as the worst of the six teams that has made it to the conference championship in Mahomes' six seasons. They've made it to four Super Bowls in five years. We are Kansas City fans here. I guess we're Mahomes fans, but at this point, for the sake of simplicity, we just call it Kansas City fans because you know what? This cold, cold sports heart, this cold heart has melted over the years thanks to Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City. And God damn it, the fact that they're back in the Super Bowl against the team that everyone around here in Northern California happens to be rooting for. In addition to our friend Juju Talk Sports, in addition to my old roommate, in addition to just the the proxy of 49ers fans that I happen to surround myself with in my life. It's just going to be so gosh darn fun that this week we get Kansas City versus San Francisco in the Super Bowl. And over the years, we've done it all with Kansas City, talking about them getting the Super Bowl. We've talked about our fandom of Patrick Mahomes. We did that for a Super Bowl Sunday podcast. We've done the genuflecting on Patrick Mahomes getting to the Super Bowl. We've done the genuflecting of Kansas City against the Patriot dynasty. We've done all of these podcasts over the years that have taken every single angle out of the Kansas City dynasty from a macro level perspective and a micro level perspective, talking about how Kansas City got there with the first two iterations. The 2020 team that absolutely ran shop over the NFL, and then because their offensive line broke down, Tom Brady got to beat them in the Super Bowl. 
We've talked about every possible angle we can from this Kansas City team, analyzed it on a micro and a macro level in a way that I don't think we've analyzed any team on this podcast over the years. And Kansas City got back to the Super Bowl and I looked up and I said, what can we do this year to talk about Kansas City in some sort of unique context? And I realized we should do an Andy Reid podcast because we've never stopped to put what Andy Reid means to this whole run into perspective. If you've heard me talk about Kansas City over the years, one of the things that you've heard pretty plainly and clearly time and time again is me saying, the reason I was so confident the first year we started doing this podcast, 2019-2020, the very first year that we did the Take It Easy podcast, the reason I was so confident in Kansas City, and the reason I looked at that team and said they're going to win 16 AFC West titles in 17 years, they're going to run rough shot over the NFL the same way that the, the Patriots just did for 20 years. The reason I felt so confident from the beginning in Kansas City, and you've heard me say it time and time again, is you've paired the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL, which Patrick Mahomes has numbers to back up through six years of a career, just without pause, the most talented quarterback the NFL has ever seen. First quarterback to win multiple Super Bowl MVPs before the age of 27. First quarterback to win multiple league MVPs by the age of 30, and he did it by the age of 27. He has more playoff wins by age 30 than any other quarterback in NFL history. He's only 28 years old. Through 75 games, he's number one in passer rating, number one in yards, number one in touchdowns, number one in every conceivable statistic through a first six years of an NFL career. Are we evaluating on a curve? It's absolutely true, yes, because the the fixation with yards and the game has changed, fixation with yards and touchdowns has gone wayside for the, the numbers of QBR and evaluations and all that stuff like that. I get it. You've put the greatest quarterback in NFL history with the greatest offensive head coach in NFL history. And far too often we talk about that greatest quarterback in NFL history thing and we don't touch on greatest offensive coach in NFL history with Andy Reid. And maybe that's the one that's more provocative than saying Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Because with the quarterback, we have statistical measurements that can prove Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. And by the way, most people just have an eye test that kind of proves to you that like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes does things on the football field that we don't really see anybody doing. But the point of Andy Reid being the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL is one that I take for granted, but perhaps is the more provocative statement in the grand scheme of things because there is no definitive numerical metric we can point to that says this makes Andy Reid the greatest offensive coach in NFL history. But in my mind, it is irrefutably the truth. Andy Reid is the greatest offensive head coach in the history of the NFL. The only counterpoint to Andy Reid being this great offensive head coach is Bill Walsh innovator of the West Coast offense and the the leader of the San Francisco 49ers who won four championships in the 80s. And and Bill Walsh influenced 20 years of NFL offense because through the 90s and 2000s, like irrefutably, everybody said, I just want to run West Coast offense. We're going to take a quarterback that runs a West Coast offense. We're going to mold quarterbacks into the offense. 
we are going to run West Coast principles and like half the NFL's head coaches were influenced by Bill Walsh, including indirectly Andy Reid, because Andy Reid began calling plays in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers, coached by Mike Holmgren, Mike Holmgren offensive coordinator under Bill Walsh before he ended up going to Green Bay and later going to Seattle. But, you know, the Green Bay point is the one that I want to focus in on. Bill Walsh is the closest comparison point because of the innovations he made in the West Coast offense. And I would argue Andy Reid's contributions to football in terms of, like, innovative offensive principles are just as poignant as Bill Walsh's. And Andy Reid himself has a longer track record of success than Bill Walsh because Bill Walsh left the 49ers after 13 years, and that was it. Andy Reid left the Eagles after 13 years, obviously not regarded as the greatest coach ever, but in a pretty strong camp for a Hall of Fame head coach, leaving the Philadelphia Eagles, and we'll get into some of the reasons for why he left the Philadelphia Eagles, after 13 years, the same length of time that Bill Walsh was in San Francisco, leaves Philadelphia after 13 years, and goes on to have a second Hall of Fame career, completely transforming Kansas City from a laughingstock organization that was going through a really dark period in their history when he got there, to now the most dynastic football team of the last 25 years, not named New England Patriots. They already, already, in just the six years of Patrick Mahomes and the eight years of winning division titles, they have already broken every football record other than the Patriots. And they've already beaten half of the Patriots dynasty, and they did it within eight years, which gives them a puncher's chance if we wait 10 years of matching every number that the Patriots put up in terms of historically great team winning and dominating football for an, a ridiculously long 15-year period. They have a puncher's chance of reaching that incredibly ridiculous statistic of, Kansas, of, of New England because they've already done half the job in less than half the time. In eight, year, in eight years of winning division titles and six years of having Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, they've already accomplished more than half of what the Patriots accomplished in their 20 years of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But Andy Reid goes 13 years in Philadelphia, has this second dynastic run with those Kansas City Chiefs, I think that gives him the claim for greatest offensive coach in NFL history because of the 25-year track record of success that comes with it. And by the way, over the last six years, the prior to the first championship in 2020, if you'll remember, the, the narrative around Andy Reid was Andy Reid has clock management issues. His assistants have gone on to win championships, but he's the one who hasn't gotten over the hump. All that yada, yada, yada stuff. Despite the fact that Andy Reid at the time had played in seven AFC championship, AFC and NFC championship games up to that point, which was the most of any non-Bill Belichick head coach since 1995, had been to seven conference championship games, had been to multiple Super Bowls, and then they finally got the championship in 2020. But if you remember at that point, it was like, oh, everyone's rooting for Big Red to get that one and to to claim the title and all that stuff. And I was looking at it like, yeah, he's going to get that one, but he's also going to probably get two and three and four because this next decade that was ahead of him and a decade that began four years ago, granted, but the, this next 
decade run he has in front of him is the thing that he had been building towards his entire career. It was always Donovan McNabb is very good, but he's not an elite quarterback. He never had an elite quarterback. It was Donovan McNabb. It was Alex Smith. um, At a time, it was Kevin Cobb. It was Michael Vick. There was never the elite quarterback that was in the door for, for Andy Reid. He was always good at taking these third and fourth tier quarterbacks and elevating their skill sets and abilities. And then he got Patrick Mahomes and all the narrative stuff changed around Andy Reid. But we uh, we on this podcast and probably we as the football viewing world never really stopped to appreciate that part of the run for Andy Reid. It's been four Super Bowls in five years now, which if my math is correct, adds up to five total Super Bowls and 11 conference championships in his 25 years as a head coach, which again is just baffling how good that is because Bill Belichick was a head coach in the NFL for 28 years and he made it to 15 conference championships if my math is correct I'm trying to think they made it to 10 in a row I want to say I want to say 15 conference championships like it's pretty damn remarkable how Andy Reid has essentially put the same percentage uh, like pretty damn close to the unbreakable records and unbreakable stretch of dominance that the Patriots put forth because if he if he sticks it out these last few years he he might match Belichick if they make it to to 10 straight conference championships just like the Patriots did in the 2000s they they just might make it there it's pretty damn incredible how how good Kansas City has been and how much winning they still have left to do which which we'll get to in a little bit but for those who don't know about like what Andy Reid's contributions to innovative football offense are, Andy Reid went to college at BYU. He was an offensive lineman at BYU in the 1980s, which uh, Lavelle Edwards was the coach at BYU. This was one of the um, evolutions of the run-and-shoot offense, which was a, a precursor for what would become the air raid offense. But essentially what all of these things had in principle was the concept of spread offenses. It was offensive linemen who dropped back a little bit. It's wide receivers three and four at a time flanked out wide, sometimes at the very edges of the field, occupying more space. Quarterbacks throwing more uh, side to side instead of up and down the field. Um, These are principles of the spread. uh, A lot of motion getting incorporated in offenses. These are principles of the offense that were early, early adopted by uh, Andy Reid because Andy Reid was coaching and playing in that system at BYU and then he he coaches in the college ranks for a little bit he ends up at at the Green Bay Packers and eventually becomes the quarterbacks coach with Brett Favre and Brett Favre ran a different style of offense than the the traditional West Coast that Mike Holmgren was uh, running back with the San Francisco 49ers because they had the foresight to evolve their offense based to their personnel. When they had um, Shannon Sharp's brother, whose name is escaping me as your tight end, and you have Brett Favre as your quarterback and you have these receivers, you, you want to spread them out wide and create more space and separation for Brett Favre to throw the football. And Brett Favre can sometimes throw the ball horizontally and all that stuff, but the Packers were having this tremendous success with Andy Reid as the quarterback coach and Mike Holmgren being the primary play caller and Steve Mariucci was uh, the offensive coordinator during those times. And and the, they, they just were an excellent offense that took Brett Favre, who is a, an Atlanta Falcon reject, and they brought him into Green Bay and he transformed into a Hall of Famer and a three-time MVP 
in this offense that was tailored to his success. It was a West Coast principle, but they incorporated all sorts of elements of spread offense and and things that came from BYU and came from the run and shoot. They were incorporating some of these principles into their offense at the earliest ages, and Brett Favre got this reputation of being the gunslinging quarterback, but they weren't running a true West Coast offense. And so Andy Reid goes from quarterback's coach with the Green Bay Packers to then he becomes head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He makes that jump from quarterback coach to head coach of the Eagles. And I give tremendous credit to to Lurie. This was one of his first coaching hires when he took over the Eagles. Like they interviewed like a, over a dozen candidates. They brought in Andy Reid in part because of the vision Andy had for the offense and he knew that he was drafting Donovan McNabb with the second pick in the draft of his first season like coming in the door he had the number two pick in the draft and they were selecting Donovan McNabb as their quarterback and he struggled out the gate the first year second year they made it to the playoffs by the third year they were making it to the conference championship with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb incorporating principles of the spread offense in addition to some of those West Coast principles that they were running before because again Andy Reid's origins of the offense are playing offensive line at BYU that was dropping offensive linemen deeper into formations that was running uh, early concepts of the spread offense the running they call it something different but it would they were running these early principles of the spread offense and I, I apologize that I cannot remember what the name of the offense uh, that BYU was running was called Lavelle Edwards had a specific name for the offense uh, that they were running back then but BYU was running these these spread offense concepts these air raid type concepts early on in their run uh, and they won the national championship in 1984 which I believe was after Andy Reid left but it was still you know his his former teammates happened to be some of the people who ended up winning that championship at BYU uh, yeah he went to coach San Francisco State at that point but uh, BYU won the championship in uh, 1984 and uh, I, Jim McMahon was also the quarterback of those teams just as a quick side note but I'm trying to remember what Lavelle Edwards offense was called because uh, it wasn't a true West Coast offense it was um God, I wish I could remember what it was called, but they were running this unique offense with spread-based offense, and uh, Lavelle Edwards was he won and won a championship running this offense with early concepts of the air raid, and so it was just really interesting to watch Andy Reid in Philadelphia incorporate some of those elements and have tremendous success as a young head coach too. Which quick side note, I had forgotten previously that. The quarterbacks coach at BYU when Andy Reid was there as a first player and then one year as a graduate assistant, the quarterbacks coach there was Mike Holmgren, the head coach whom Andy Reid was the quarterbacks coach under in Green Bay. And then, you know, Andy Reid jumped from quarterback coach to head coach uh, right away after that run. Uh, he also coached offensive line with the Packers. But point standing, Andy Reid made the jump really quick to head coach in the NFL. He was 40 years old when he first became the head coach. When he first became head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, which at the time he was the second youngest head coach in the league. And uh, he was the first 
ever to be hired without being an offensive or a defensive coordinator. Like the foresight and the vision he had for what that team was going to be like got him to jump the line a few years early and it, you know, paid dividends almost immediately with the success of the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause again, within two years of him getting there and, and with him working, Don, working with Donovan McNabb, who again made a couple Pro Bowls, but was never like the elite quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is. He's not, you know, gonna light, gonna make Hall of Fame cases anytime soon. Like Andy Reid jumped in, and they immediately, you know, first year they missed the playoffs, but then they went divisional round, conference championship, and then they made it to four consecutive conference championships from 2001 to 2004. Just r- incredible success over four years for them. They averaged. 12 wins a season for four years. They went 48 and 16 over three regular seasons, a 750 win percentage. Absolutely incredible for those four years. And that was where Andy Reid kind of made his money as a head coach. Like Andy Reid, Andy Reid had this tremendous success early on in his career with the Eagles, the the air raid principles and, and some of the spread offense principles from early on incorporated into the West Coast that they were running. They made it to four consecutive conference championships. They lost the first three. They made it to the Super Bowl in 2004. They lost to the Patriots. I believe that was Super Bowl 39. And then they made it back to the conference championship four years later in 2008, still with Donovan McNabb, but they kind of had to reinvent the roster a little bit. They made it back to the conference championship in 2008. They lose to the Larry Fitzgerald Cardinals team. They make a couple of playoff runs again with the Eagles. But by this point, he has a 15, he has a 13-year resume of success that in terms of winning percentage matches what Bill Walsh was doing in San Francisco. Now, granted, Bill Walsh went four for four in the Super Bowls, and that's the thing that would always be held against him. But in terms of offensive innovation at the time, like Andy Reid has a 13-year run of success that is Hall of Fame worthy. It doesn't put him as like one of the greatest offensive coaches in NFL history or whatever. He already is one of the all-time great NFL head coaches. It's just after 13 years, he has put up this incredible resume of success where he has a, a near 600 winning percentage over 13 years, made it to a Super Bowl, five conference championships, and some of the questions about clock management persist, but obviously there's this long reputation of success. His assistants have gone on to coach in the NFL with Steve Spagnolo, John Harbaugh, who obviously won a championship over in Baltimore. Uh, Doug Peterson, his former quarterback, is uh, now all of a sudden a coach in the NFL. There, there's lots of other people once he gets to Kansas City who become future head coaches when you talk about Peterson and Matt Nagy and all sorts of, of people down the road. But you have this tremendous run of success for Andy Reid in Philadelphia. And then he leaves Philadelphia after the 2012 season, which we'll get into some of that a little bit later on. After a 4-12 and year, he spent 13 years there. He leaves after that. Ends up going to Kansas City, turns Kansas City around with uh, Alex Smith for a few years. They make the playoffs, I want to say, three or four times in the first five years that it's Alex Smith and Andy Reid together. Uh, they Yeah, they made the playoffs five times in the first... No, I'm sorry, they made it in the, in the five years that it was Alex Smith in Kansas City. They made the playoffs four times, made it to the divisional round twice... Never made it to the conference finals, but they did have a 12-4 and season in 2016. They made it to the playoffs four times in five years in that first run with 
Alex Smith for the first five years in Kansas City. They're coming up short, but they've obviously turned a corner franchise-wise. They're averaging 11 wins a season, which is not the you know 12 wins a season that they did for the four-year run of dominance in Philadelphia, but they're averaging basically 11 wins a season. And then, obviously... By this point, he's already proven he can turn around two places at once. Obviously, they don't have the Super Bowl level of success, but like they are legitimately good, and then they bring in Patrick Mahomes, and we know everything that's happened since. Uh, they go from averaging 12 wins a season to average, or 11 wins a season to averaging 13 wins a season. Obviously, that comes with NFL expanding to 17 games, but they're averaging a better winning percentage than when they made four consecutive conference championships with the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2000s. And obviously, we know everything that's happened with Kansas City. They're like, that's a 25-year run of dominance where they've made it now to 11 conference championships in his time together with uh, in his time with Kansas City. They have won eight consecutive division titles there. In his 13 years with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, he won seven division titles. So you're looking at 15 in 25 years as a head coach for Andy Reid. That doesn't even include wildcard appearances because one of the conference championship runs came with them as a wildcard team. It's absolutely ridiculous ridiculous what he has pulled off and I think that's the track record that proves this is the greatest offensive head coach in NFL history and the innovation part comes from him incorporating the spread offense into the NFL like he is the coach who is at the forefront of spread offense revolutions in the NFL Uh, not just with what he did in Philadelphia with Donovan McNabb but once he gets to Kansas City and drafts an air raid quarterback in Patrick Mahomes brings the spread offense into the NFL, is incorporating motion and doing all these things. He does what the great offensive coaches have all done for years, down to um, whether it's Sean Payton or whether it's Bill Walsh or whoever you want to point to as the uh, Kyle Shanahan or Mike Shanahan, whoever you want to point to as these great offensive head coaches. There is an adaptability to the personnel that you see on the roster. There is a complete adaptability to the players that you bring in and a vision for how you are going to help those players succeed. They brought they started running spread offense concepts with Philadelphia. They're absolutely dominating the NFL with spread offense and they run more motion than any team in the league and they had an explosive based offense and then, you know, 2 years ago once they missed the Super Bowl, they they've pivoted from an explosive based offense to a precision based offense. They've moved with the tides of the league. Many times in Andy Reid's era, they've been the team at the forefront of causing shifts and tides in the league like the reason that NFL offense has plummeted in the last two years is a byproduct of what Tariq Hill and Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City were doing the previous four years you've seen this pivot you've seen this adaptation to controlling time of possession teams across the league have changed how they ran offense Kansas City's at the forefront of a lot of that change and he did some of this in Philadelphia and all sorts of stuff like that What's so interesting about Andy Reid at this point in his career is he's been going for a quarter of a century kicking ass and taking names as one of the best offensive coaches, if not the best offensive head coaches in the NFL. And that track record of 25 years of success with Donovan McNabb to Patrick to Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes to four consecutive 
conference championship appearances from 2001 to 2004 to then 20 years later making four consecutive conference championship appearances from 2020 until 2024. It's just incredible. 20 years apart, he's had multiple runs of four consecutive conference championships, which is something that not even Bill Belichick and the Patriots have put forth. Not even Bill Belichick and the Patriots put together separate runs of four consecutive conference championship trips 20 years apart. I mean, they didn't do it, period, but granted, they made it to eight straight. Once upon a time, they made it to eight straight conference championships. And and granted, Kansas City has six. They're kind of creeping up the back door on that number of eight straight conference championships the Patriots had from 2010 to 2018. But what you have from, from Andy Reid is just this incredible run 20 years apart of dominating the NFL by running West Coast offenses to more spread-based concepts. It's absolutely remarkable the length of time that he's gone from age 40 in Philadelphia to age 65 in Kansas City, kicked ass and taken names time and time again. And the thing that I thought was really interesting about Andy Reid, because Andy Reid is an impossibly nice man. Like, I remember four years ago, which was probably the last time we did a like, oh, hey, we thinking about Andy Reid as they make the Super Bowl. Four years ago, I remember reading this story of former assistant coaches of Andy Reid telling these great stories and why they're rooting for him so bad to win that Super Bowl. And I remember they were talking to Sean McDermott and John Harbaugh, Steve Spagnuolo, who's obviously now his defensive coordinator, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, Eric Bieniemy, so many people who had these stories about why they love Andy Reid so much. And I remember at the time thinking about how Andy Reid seems like a genuinely nice man and everyone calls him Big Red and he's had so many cases of just being an impossibly nice man. Intense in the locker room the same way that the football coach can be. I mean, there's a leadership aspect to this as well, but just seeming like an impossibly nice man. And you know how hard it can be to be that leader person for 25 years and not have the reputation of a Bill Belichick or not have a reputation of, you know, a a Don Chula or someone who's like this archetypal mercenary. Like not only is he this 25 years of success innovating on the offensive side of the ball, but he also has this affability and leadership quality to him that seems conducive to the football world in the 20th century and, 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 you know, coming from the 20th century football world and evolving into the 21st century in this, you know, relatability to multiple generations at, at this point, like five different generations worth of football players. He just seems like such an impossibly nice man. And I remember selfishly thinking when Andy Reid two years ago, I'm sorry, three years ago when they made it to the Super Bowl the second time against the Patriots. And I remember the story around Andy Reid after that, or leading up to that Super Bowl, was so dramatically different than the previous year. Because the previous year it was Andy Reid, this impossibly nice man, looks like he's going to have his best chance in his career to win the Super Bowl, to finally get the big one that he probably should have won in Philadelphia. And if he had just had a better quarterback or a better defense or a couple clock management things go right, maybe he wins a Super Bowl 
earlier in his career, despite the fact that he's like regarded as Mr. Conference Championship. He's been to seven conference championships, has lost five of them. His clock management is in question. I remember that the conversation around that 2020 Super Bowl was all about everyone rooting for this impossibly nice man and wanting him to do great because he deserved that Super Bowl so bad. And then just 12 months later, in the middle of the pandemic, obviously the whole season's been a bit of a tough run, and you know we're throwing a lot of energy into football that year. I remember that was probably the most, like, don't have enough life balance using football to cope with the fact that we don't have anything really special going on in our life during the pandemic. And I remember that year was when Andy Reid's son, Britt, who was on the coaching staff with Kansas City, had a drunk driving accident where he hit a parked car that had a five-year-old child in it and left her with um, irreparable brain damage and having her need to go through special needs for the remainder of her life. And, and she was in the hospital and she was in a coma at the time and Britt was put on leave by the team. He was working as a linebacker coach and the entire tone around Andy Reid completely shift within one week, within one calendar year of getting to the exact same place in the Super Bowl. It was the exact same situation where it was Kansas City has won the AFC championship and they're the favorites going into the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. And it was just a complete 180 pivot on Andy Reid because the whole conversation is around Andy Reid's son having a drunk driving accident that left a five-year-old girl in a coma in the hospital and ultimately left her with irreparable brain damage and him being arrested for drunk driving and you know coming close to killing someone and in, in essence permanently impacting the life of that family and that little girl. And this was something that was brought into the forefront because it was Super Bowl week when it happened, but additionally because Andy Reid's oldest son, Garrett, used to be an assistant coach with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he had gone in and out of rehab for a number of years and had been struggling with drug addiction, and during training camp of 2012... He was at the training camp for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he died of a heroin overdose. And that was an incredibly painful moment that kind of led to the end of Andy Reid being in Philadelphia. Like, they ended up going 4-12 and that year, and it was really painful when he when they, you know, the players on the team during training camp are going to Britt's funeral and they're seeing Andy Reid, you know, a father burying his oldest son and seeing the pain that that caused there. And obviously it wasn't a great year for Philadelphia, but that was kind of the moment where, you know, Philadelphia was ready to move on. It seemed like Andy might have been ready to move on. I mean, it's it was an incredibly painful moment that pulled him away from Philadelphia for right before the season started and you know there's no way to know exactly what cause and what effect came of that Andy hasn't really talked about it much on the record since then but 
I mean, the struggle of seeing that, you know, this was his oldest son who was born while uh, he was graduating college. The The couple had just gotten married right after that. And, you know, to see your, your youngest son die of a, or sorry, your oldest son die of a drug overdose in that way. And then to have that come back to the forefront when his son ends up getting involved in a drunk driving accident. Uh, the second son who he's brought onto the coaching staff and is working as a linebacker coach. And um, the follow-up to that is that, you know, a year and a half later, Andy Reid's son, Britt, ended up pleading guilty or was found guilty, ended up being sentenced to three years in prison. Um, he's he's uh, went through a divorce in the immediate aftermath of that. Um, he's serving prison time right now. There's a chance he'll get out after, you know, maybe a year and a half or even a year serving. Um, but obviously, you know, to, to have the life of someone impacted that way and to lose your freedom is incredibly painful. And obviously it's not matching the pain of losing a son in the first place like like Garrett, but it's just an incredibly difficult thing to have Andy Reid have to live through twice. And I, I remember it was so jarring after that Super Bowl with Andy Reid, the second one when they lost to Tampa, and everything was piling on top of him at the very end of it all. And I was listening to Jake Glazer talk about this the other day because he had talked to Andy Reid about Andy and his retirement. And not that Andy's like looking at retirement specifically, but like they were having the conversation on the field about like, yeah, man, it's been a it's been a wild ride for the last couple of years and how football can offer that incredible distraction and that thing that takes your time away. But then when you have real life moments hit where, you know, Andy has five children and, you know, your oldest son ends up and, and the oldest child of the bunch ends up dying of an overdose. And then your your second son ends up getting into a drunk driving incident that puts him in jail and ends up you know, permanently altering the life of a child. It's just incredibly painful to have to relive some of that stuff. And Andy's now reached that age at 65 where he's conquered the mountain time and time again. I mean, I've said for years, like this was the thing he was building towards for 20 years was to finally have this quarterback in this situation and to be able to again and again scheme around that quarterback because you know that that quarterback is more excellent than everyone else at in whatever you ask him to do, you want it to be a precision-based offense, he'll complete 11 of 11 passes for 110 yards and score two touchdowns in the AFC Championship game against Baltimore. And that's the difference in the game is precision-based offense, he can be precise. Explosive offense, he can throw the big play over the tops to Tariq Hill or whoever you want to point to. You can ask him to do anything and he has that ability to do it and then it just opens up your world on offense. And I would imagine that this is the... Belichickian type of run that Andy Reid might be ready to expect at the end of his career. It's just absolutely incredible what he's gone through and what Kansas City has gone through to get to this point of making it to six consecutive conference championship games over a half a decade dominating the sport. Five years they've been to four Super Bowls after Andy had made it to one in the first 17 years of his career. I felt like this was what Andy was building towards for all of these years in his career. And there's been whispers each of the last two Super Bowl runs now about will Andy retire? Will he won't retire? That's kind of been the conversation around it now. It's gone from wonderful story, the first Super Bowl run. It was everyone's rooting for good things for this man and wanting him to finally get that championship because he's just an impossibly nice person. To the second Super Bowl, a week before the Super Bowl is played, 
you have your son get into a drunk driving accident that, uh, you know, while he's an assistant coach on the team and based on some of the, the route paths, they deduced that he was drinking at the office. And that's when he got off the freeway and hit the child. And you have that being the storyline surrounding Andy Reid going up to this moment of celebration of making it to back-to-back Super Bowls. And then last year, the conversation is like, will he, re- will he, won't he retire type of stuff? And then some of that's been brought to the forefront again this year with the will he, won't he retire stuff. And the thing that I don't want to see is Andy to retire for selfish reasons, because I want to see Andy Reid leading Patrick Mahomes for as long as Patrick Mahomes is in the NFL. I hope that Andy Reid makes it longer than Pete Carroll made it in Seattle at 72 years old. Because if he can make it until Patrick Mahomes is 38, those two are going to have a dynastic type of run that matches the Patriots. And selfishly, I want that for them because I just love this Kansas City team so much. It's the team that we've chosen and the team that we have loved for six years and rooted for and wanted good things for Patrick Mahomes, that incredibly good man and the incredibly nice person that is Andy Reid. And the thing that I've kind of reflected on is like, it would really, really suck if Andy Reid chose to retire at this point of his career especially given that his son will get out of jail sometime relatively soon and is kind of rebuilding his entire life at this point of his, uh, you know, his family is gone, his freedom had been taken away, he doesn't have an NFL future at this point, but at least he still has his life, and he's kind of rebuilding up his life from scratch after he gets out of jail, and I don't know what role Andy wants to have in that part of his life, I don't know whether him and his wife want to walk away from the football world after living in that for literally their entire lives. I don't know exactly what that looks like for Andy Reid, but the thing that I've kind of came around on by researching for this podcast and thinking about Andy Reid and his story, I had said for so many years whenever the the question of Andy Reid walking away came up is, Andy's not going to walk away. This is what he's. This is the decade he's been waiting for for the previous five decades. Grant, give it six decades of his life, but his five decades in football. This is the decade he's been waiting for. Not only does he have control over an organization that he has built from the ground up with his people over ten years, but he's done it now with the best quarterback that has ever played the game. And those two are going to run roughshod over football for 18 years if they stick it out long enough until Andy's 75 and Patrick Mahomes is 38. They're going to run roughshod over football. And it would validate me saying they're going to win 16 division titles in 17 years. And they're already halfway to that goal because they've won eight in a row. So, you know, if they give it nine more years, they'll run roughshod over football and put together a dynasty that rivals what the Patriots have done rivals any great team in the history of the sport they're already number two the only thing they're chasing is new england at this point in terms of the success that they've had in a short period of time let's see if they can match that success over a long period of time and see what comes of it when you give the greatness of the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatness of the greatest offensive coach of all time that level of control and that level of power and that level of of a 15-year dynastic run together. Like, let's see what happens when you give them 15 years. If they've played six years together and made the conference championship every year and make the Super Bowl two out of every three years, let's see what happens when we give them 15, 16 years. That's the thing that I've always said that I've wanted and assumed Andy Reid would want, given how much of his life he's dedicated to football and to put himself in this position where he can dominate football with a dynastic team for the next 10 to 15 years. 
But if this does come to the point where Andy wants to retire, the thing that I'm pivoting on from the humanizing side of it and thinking about Andy and his 25 years to get here and thinking about Andy and Garrett, his son who died during his last year with the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy and Britt, his second son who obviously he's still alive and obviously he's rebuilding his life after he gets out of jail. But, you know, seeing those same mistakes repeated again with your son and some of the decisions that he's had. And by the way, their third son is now, um, I believe their third son is in his early 30s and is now joining the Kansas City coaching staff as like an assistant strength coach for this season. This was the first year that his third son had been on the coaching staff in Kansas City. You know, to kind of relive some of those same mistakes that you'd been through in the past with your family or just the grind of football and, and the the toll it takes. I know some people have brought up Andy Reid's health, even though there's not really like some concrete evidence that points to like Andy's not in good health. I think some people are just doing the Andy is a is a heftier gentleman and therefore there might be some quote unquote health concerns there, which I think is a little bit lazy when it comes to the analysis on Andy Reed, but people keep bringing those things up. I don't know Andy's health. I don't know if it plays into that, but it's just something that people bring up because I believe Andy is a, a heftier gentleman. And so people want to bring up health issues when it comes to, you know, heftier people. And so I just hear all those things and hear talks or, you know, the whispers of, will he, won't he retire this year and whatever it might be the last two Super Bowl runs now And the thing that I just stop and think about now is even if it means Patrick Mahomes will have a shorter run of success because you're going to put someone who could never match up to Andy Reid, you're going to pair someone who could never match up to him on the offensive side of the ball trying to replicate the success of Andy Reid, the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL. Even if you bring in someone who's very good, but you bring in someone that will never be able to live up to the play calling ability and the genius of Andy Reid on the offensive side of the ball. 35 years in football crafting this offense to be able to see things differently than all of his counterparts and adversaries. When you give it 35 years to becoming that coach and then you try and bring someone in who's asked to replicate Andy Reid in the middle of Patrick Mahomes' prime... I look at that and I think I would not wish that upon Patrick Mahomes and I would be very upset if he cut this run short because he walked away from the game a few years early. And at the same time, I just want what's best for that impossibly nice man. If he wants to walk away from the game, walk away. If he wants to stick it out, stick it out. But from an empathizing human standpoint, I just want what's best for an impossibly nice man who has been to hell and back when it comes to coaching and and, and spending 25 years in that offense trying to compete at the highest levels of the sport for the smallest of advantages and schematic advantages and, and trying to evaluate talent in all these different ways. He's been trying for years to build up a program like the machine that he has right now in Kansas City. And if he looks up and says... The machine has given me all I want and the satisfaction that I want in that, in this sport and I'm ready to go do something else with the final years of my life. I look at that and I say, hats off to you, Mr. Andy Reid. Do whatever makes you best because you. I just want you, an impossibly nice man by all stretches of the imagination, to have whatever is best for you. Kansas City might not be the dynastic team they would have been with you, 
but they'll figure something out. They'll, bec- they'll, they'll move closer to the pack like everyone else. They'll still have the greatest quarterback to ever play the game as a competitive advantage, but they'll just move closer to the pack than they already separated themselves from everyone else. They'll have to be innovative just like everyone else. They'll have problems just like everyone else, but the good news for them is that their problems will be impossibly easier by having the greatest quarterback to ever play the game on their side. The thing that gives them the competitive advantage that guarantees that they're going to make conference champ, that guarantees they will be one of the top four teams in the NFL and have a top five offense. The thing that guarantees it every single year is Mahomes and Andy Reid. And if it just becomes Mahomes without Andy Reid, Kansas City will figure it out. They won't be as dominant as they would have been with you. But if you walk away, you walk away. And I just want what's best for you because God damn it, you deserve it. You're the greatest offensive head coach in the history of the sport. Nothing left to prove. Damn it, you deserve to be happy, however you see fit. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast here on Super Bowl week. So excited and so glad that you could be with us while we uh, sat down and did some long-form podcast. It is absolutely wonderful and just fantastic that you guys are here. Um, thank you for stopping in. If you've made it this far through the show, leave a like, five-star review, downloads, any and all support is greatly appreciated. We so greatly appreciate that you have decided to stop in here, however and whenever you might be listening. We'll be back at it again on Wednesday. Guests joining us all throughout the week, all sorts of great fun ahead. We will talk to you again soon. And in the meantime, take it easy. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.